listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. My name is Nathan. It is an honor to spend a few moments with you on a Wednesday evening. I want to talk about the nature of evil uh, in this time we have together. We've spent a few weeks talking about Satan as both a created being and the representative of a way whereby we deify the self. We serve the self, we exalt the self, and instead of us surrendering and submitting to God, we sit in judgment of God. Uh, the result of this is evil, and I want to, if possible, I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh, the first question is, what is the nature of evil? And the second question is just as important, and it is simply this, why does it matter that we think about the nature of evil? Why is this an important question for us to ask? Well, first of all, let me answer the question by reminding you of something that you know, but you may not think about a whole lot, and that is this, God is not the author of evil, yet the whole earth is filled with evil. Uh, this almost sounds like a riddle of sorts, but actually it's not. It's two true statements. On the first, the first one is, God is not the author of evil. The second one is, the world is full of, of evil. As people of faith, we want to ally ourselves to the kingdom of God. We want to ally ourselves to the heart of God, and we want our lives, the decisions we make, the manner in which we live, to testify of the kingdom of God. So it's profoundly important for us to understand the nature of evil. It is important for us to turn away from that evil, recognize its potential within all of us, turn away from that as an act of faith, and rather than serving self, the way of evil, we cling to God, we accept His gospel, we place our hope in His promise. And so we want to turn away from the moral and the spiritual evil that fills the world. And we want to ally our heart with the goodness of God. Yes, there is a contest of spiritual order that is playing out across the human story. Not just the human story, all the created host of heaven has had evil play out as they have determined their way as an act of what and who they will serve. Whether or not they will submit themselves to God as the highest or whether or not they will contest with God and sit in judgment of God. This decision of our hearts is the true story of the spiritual battlefield in our lives. God and his kingdom, however, is not what is at risk. Do not be, do not be confused about this. God and his kingdom is not what is at risk. It's not as though if you choose evil, the good kingdom of God is going to be destroyed. No, God has already won. There is a battle, but the kingdom of God, the throne of God, is not what is at risk. What is at risk is our hearts and our souls. God has already won. So to understand evil, let's first look at it very broadly and not just do philosophy. It's tempting to just think about these subjects and do philosophy, what we think this, what we think that, that. I read this, I read that. No, let's not do that. Uh, let's look at it biblically. 
And let's take that language, the, the word, uh, the words that translate as evil in the scripture, uh, and there are, there are words that, uh, whether they're Greek or, or, or Hebrew, Aramaic, uh, they, they translate as evil. So out of that broad understanding, we will seek to derive a unified principle that we can apply to our lives of faith. So first of all, uh, how does evil, how is this word used biblically? Um, you are not wrong to think that it refers to what is morally wrong, uh, morally sinful, or spiritually or morally wicked. You are not wrong to do that. However, in the scripture, evil can refer to anything that causes harm. There doesn't necessarily have to be a moral uh, connection to that. Anything that contradicts contradicts the holy nature of God is evil. Uh, scripture example, Psalms 51, verse number four. Moreover, evil can also refer to tragedy. It can refer to disaster. It can refer to calamity. These things can be called evil. For example, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number, verse number 20. Uh, evil deeds can be committed against God. Examples would be idolatry, uh, unbelief, and uh, blasphemy. Evil can be committed against people. Examples would be murder, theft, adultery. But more, evil is usually best understood as the lack of goodness. I, I looked up evil in several dictionaries, and uh, that's something that's very consistent. It's defined almost as a negative more than anything else. The lack of goodness is uh, the realm, uh, the place of, of evil. Uh, so I want you to know, first of all, scripturally, the word evil can have broad meaning. It's not super easy to just nail down and say it's just this. It can have a broad, broad meaning. But when we go to understand it, uh, we try to understand it in the context of our spiritual becoming in the context of not who we are in the flesh but who we can be in God so we see it as anti-God or to use a more New Testament word anti-Christ the opposite of what God is the opposite of what God wants the opposite of God's will all of these things can be thought of as as evil and I want you to see this. Now this is a little bit of, uh, it's the kind of thought that helps you understand. And so you will, you will know this perhaps, but it'll help you to think of it in the following way. Um, God is not an entity within the world in the manner that you and I are entities, kind of like beings within a larger world. Um, the world is not infinite. The universe is not infinite, but God is. Also, God was not created in the world God created the world. So we have to flip the way we think about it. So God is not in the world. The world is created in God. Um, furthermore, he's not a creature of time, but time is created and progressing in, in him. And so God does not exist in the world. The world cre exists in God. God has a nature. He has an essence. Um, I think the clearest uh, declarative statement of this is given by none other than the Apostle John, that disciple who was closer to Jesus than, than anyone else who walked with him. And he says so definitively, uh, so strongly, so repetitively in his last 
the last apostle uh, letters that we have are, are John laying down these principles and that is uh, this emphasis, repetitive emphasis on God as love. Um, if you say you know God, but you haven't loved, you're lying. You can't say you love God, but not your brother. That would be a misconception. Um, if you know God, then you know love. If you have God, then you have love. These are declarative statements, propositional truths that come with necessary consequences in our life. And they're intentionally so. That's why John gave them to us as that in the manner in which he did. But one of the geniuses, spiritual genius of, of John is that he takes us all the way from logos, divine intention, spoken divine intent, to agape, undeserving, unconditional, unmerited love. God, through the story that John gives us, is taken from logos, intention, spoken intention, to agape, unmerited, undeserved love. Think about that. That's another Bible study. Uh, and I'm reflecting on that a lot uh, lately. So um, I want you to see that because God has a nature, um, whenever His nature is rejected, it is as though there is a void of potential evil created there. So um, let's, let's consider this in the following way. Our hearts can be, by the act of our will, God-free zones and he will not force himself upon us. We, by the act of our will, can create God-free zones. How do we do that? By glorifying something other than God, by serving something other than God. We have created this God-free zone. What's left? What fills that zone? The self. And so now you serve the self, doing the exact thing that Lucifer tempted Adam and Eve to do in the garden. Exalt yourself, compete with God, judge God. He's just trying to keep you down. You want to be like him. Lucifer's path is our path. He can't force you to take it, but he can tempt you to take it. Where we sit in judgment of, sit in judgment of God. The result of this is fallen nature, a heart that is not subject to God. Why? Because it's serving self, worshiping self. A heart that can understand the ways of God. Why? Because it's in prison of its own endless bonfire of needs and wants and insecurities. Never satisfied. Never comforted. Always grasping and wishing and I want more, I want more. Give you the world. You want more. It's a prison of the lost, the, 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 as it were, the self that does not know how to minister to itself. It does not know how to nurture um, its self. And so uh, this is fallen nature, a heart that is not subject to the law of God and cannot be, does not even comprehend the law of God. And so this creates this void of potential evil. God is not there. He's not within your heart. Yes, he fills all things, but by the act of your will, you have banished him as rebellion, spiritual rebellion. This is the story of sin. And so the absence of love becomes the workshop of evil. Your heart, banishing God, becomes a workshop of evil where evil is crafted, it is imagined, and it is brought into being. And so it is with all God's attributes that combine to form his nature, whether it is mercy, whether it's justice, whether it's goodness, those things are banished by the act of our will. How do we do that? Stop glorifying God. Place yourself in his seat, on his throne, and you have a fallen nature. So this absence of love 
the lack of these godly qualities is the beginning of evil. And evil uh, is in the heart of the person that has banished God, but it will be made visible by the actions of that person who has banished God. They will show forth the nature of self, and now they will act in an uh, unmerciful way. They will act uh, with injustice, and they will they will be impatient and they will compete with you and they will steal and kill and destroy like who else like lucifer comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy because he's trying to please that which can never be pleased in in itself and so the person with an evil heart trapped in an endless cycle of trying to please an unpleasable self like an addict will bring more harm into the world than the world would have had had they not been born. This is how evil fills the world and God created the world and he is not the author of evil. It is brought into being by the actions, the behavior of that person. Uh, let me uh, finish up here by showing you this in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, murder is an evil action, uh, but it doesn't start with action. It starts with hatred, it starts with competition, it starts with lust and the desire to take. Where does this fighting come from you, uh, the apostle asks. It comes from your heart, your lust, you want and you have not, you war. It's that, that evil of a godless, a godless heart. Um, evil is an action, or excuse me, murder is an evil action, but it's birthed in the heart. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, where he says that if it's in your heart, it is as though you've committed that murder. You had hatred in your heart because the evil's already there. It just hasn't come out. There's a God-free zone, a void within you, and it is the very womb of evil in this world. The Lord continues, adultery is an evil act, but it didn't start with the action. It started with the lust. And if that lust is in your heart, the evil is there as though you committed the action. Jesus would go on to say, this is Mark 7, starting at verse number 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. You see, God did not create evil, but the whole world is filled with evil. But God did create you and me. And we have the option of serving self rather than submitting self, of putting our needs before anyone else, of seeing us as the final arbiter who we speak judgment on God, we speak judgment on the church, we speak judgment on everybody trying to do anything, we speak judgment on the preacher. We have the same spirit as what Jesus said of the, of the Pharisees. You have the same spirit of your father, Lucifer. Um, so you, you, you see this, this problem of evil being birthed out of the wombs of a godless heart. We banished God. And that void was filled with self and self is never satisfied and like addicts seeking a final euphoria we seek and want and lust and take and steal and seek and want 
and we're never satisfied. This is the bondage of evil in our life. It is, if you'll allow me to, to be so vivid, it is as though through our fallen nature we inherit a self-serving heart. This heart is never satisfied. It enslaves us all and drives us like a, a slave master in an endless pursuit to try to satisfy its endless wants. This feels like a spiritual insanity in us and it births evil that grows within us like this degenerating spiritual madness. Never ends, never satisfied. Give me more, I'll take. If I have that, then I'd be happy. If I had what she had, then I'd be happy. I'm better, I need to be exalted. I should be in charge. Me, 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 me. How do I know that this is um, how it all starts? Well, let me take you to Romans chapter number one, where Paul is summing up the nature of fallen humanity and really the origin of evils springing out of the, the human heart. Uh, he says about people who they started by refusing, this is verse 21, chapter one, book of Romans, they refused to glorify God and give thanks to him. They refuse God his place. They banish God from their heart. They exalt themselves. They, they refuse the right order of his word, his way, his truth, his nature, and they elevate themselves. That's where it starts with refusing to glorify God. But it ends, this is verses 28, 29, same chapter, with a depraved mind filled with every kind of wickedness. Where, where, what is the nature of evil? The nature of evil is desperate hearts trying to do for themselves what only God could have done. Desperate spirits trying to give themselves the contentment that only God could give them. And thinking the path to that contentment is through taking, having, competing, stripping, cleansing, by the acts of their own efforts, not humbling themselves to God, judging themselves, not letting God judge them, judging others, not letting that person have their own master. Well, what's, what am I talking to here? This mix up between who's in charge? Who can wash away sins? Who can cleanse me? These are things that must be left to God. How do we change from slavery to evil to put God back on the throne? Well, remember what Paul said? Get back to glorifying God. Not glorifying God, not putting him on the throne, led you into all this service and slavery to self. Turn away from that, that's called repentance. Turn the other direction. Go back to putting God on the throne. God speaks to the eternalness of our souls. God's promise rests heavily in the needs of our spirit. We let God sit upon the throne of our heart and we glorify God. We repent from self, we, we, we deny the self, we take up our calling in Christ Jesus, the cross he has given us, and we return to glorifying God with our lives. This is what we call the life of faith and this is what God has invited all of us to do. Live this life of faith. Love God. That's manifested by loving people. And so doing, make a difference. We love God. That love pours out to others. And that life choice makes a difference 
and we find the contentment that possessions could never give us. All right, that's enough. Love you. God bless you. Be with your people. Lead them this week. I pray that you would open their eyes spiritually to the need that surrounds them, open up their understanding to the testimony they have to offer and to give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This Sunday, two services, 9.15 and 11 a.m. If you're in the Charlotte area, we would love to host you. I'm in the front almost every service. Come right in. I'll be right there to meet you. Uh, our team will be there. We'll host you well. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.